Marley Bird. I'm your host, Marley Bird. You can catch the Yarn Thing podcast live every Tuesday and Thursday morning at 10 o'clock Mountain Time. That's 12 o'clock on the East Coast, 9 o'clock on the West Coast, and 11 o'clock in the Midwest. If you are anywhere else in the world and would like to join us live for the podcast, please Google what time 10 o'clock Mountain Time is for you. I do live in Denver, Colorado. If that helps, you can come and join the fun. There is a live chat that happens During the broadcast on blogtalkradio.com that you are more than welcome to be a part of, or you can always tune in to the Facebook Live video that happens over on facebook.com forward slash Marley Bird, and it's essentially the behind the scenes of the Yarn Thing podcast. It's just me in the studio doing the interview, so you're more than welcome to join me over here as well. I am going to say thank you to our lovely sponsors, Buffalo Wool Company, Creative Bugs. Erin Lane Bags, Craftsy.com, Stitches.Events, <coughs> excuse me, and Red Heart Yarns, where I'm the proud national spokesperson. You can learn more about the sponsors by visiting MarleyBird.com and clicking on the drop-down menu for sponsors. There's a direct link to each one of them right there on that page so that you don't have to go searching for them. And what's really great, these sponsors have been sponsors for years, you guys. So they have been very loyal to the Yarn Thing podcast, like many of you out there. And so let's make sure that we go to them and say thank you for for their uh, continued support. Man, now I'm going to sneeze. It must be spring, obviously. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. Um, right now it's going away. Okay, good. <laughs> sorry about that. So today's guest is, is is a friend of mine. I'm excited to have her on the show. Um, we're talking to Mary Scott Huff today, who is an internationally recognized designer, teacher, and author. Um, she lives in the Pacific Northwest of the United States, and so I'm excited um, to kind of ask her how the weather is up there, because I love that that area. It's one of my favorite areas. And uh, so I'm just happy to be talking to Mary Scott Huff today. So let's just say hi to her. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm really well. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. You know, here in Colorado, the weather's going to be like 70 degrees, but then the East Coast is like getting pummeled by a blizzard. So it's kind of, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm I'm really sad for them, but happy for myself to not be anywhere on the East Coast at this moment. They are really getting um, a shovel full. (laughs) They are. My friends, I have friends that live over there, obviously, and a lot of um, Facebook fans and stuff. But um, one of my friends, she sent me a text. She's like, I hope you're enjoying your 70-degree weather, and it's just a video of the outside of her house. Like, just you can't even see the street across – or the house across the street. Like, it's just – Pure white. So it's uh, wow. exciting. So hopefully people will be tuning in today to listen to the show since they're they're homebound. So why not? Right. <laughs> so um, you know what? I I think you've been on the show before. Haven't you been on the show before? Nope. This is my very first time. For real? Oh my gosh. Maybe yeah. it was just something that I thought you'd been on the show. Well, good. So then we can just we'll start at the very beginning because that's a very good place to start. I always ask everybody (laughs) uh, how you got started in knitting or crocheting, and when was it something that you decided to make a passion of yours? So why don't you just kind of, we'll sit back, I will drink some of my my, uh, drink here, and enjoy the conversation. Okay. So I was taught to knit by my mom when I was around 10 years old. Um, I'm one of five children, and so my mom would have 
taught me anything that would keep me out of her hair, including arc welding, if she thought it would, you know, keep me busy. And and knitting turned out to be quite a little thing for me for a while. And I got up to the point where it was time to learn to read patterns um, in order to sort of move on to the next step. And then I saw something shiny and got disinterested. <clears throat> and uh, flash forward till I was probably in my late 20s, I was pregnant with my first child. And rather than food cravings, I got textile cravings. It was super weird. But one day I would wake up and and I really needed to touch velvet, right? So like anything velvet I would just find and I just needed to be with velvet. Or then the next day it would be like leather, you know. Oh, my gosh, I just have to touch leather. And then one day it was wool. Like my whole existence was centered on finding wool to touch. And so I was – digging through my mom's ancient abandoned yarn stash in order to touch wool, and something clicked, and um, the cravings have never subsided. I am still needing to touch wool to a really unusual degree um, (laughs) every day to maintain sanity. That's awesome. I think there are many out there that can relate to that need. Like, I I wouldn't just describe it as just wool for me. Like, for me, it's it's yarn in general. Like, if I don't at least touch yarn at some point during my day. I just, I don't know, I feel like something is missing out. You know, it's like I forgot to went, I forgot to go pee or something. You know, it's like I, what is, what is missing today? Oh, I forgot to go knit a little bit or crochet a little bit. And so it's, it's, um, it's definitely a big part of my life. Absolutely. It's the need to commune with string, right? Like yes. no day is complete until the string has been touched. It's just a fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you, you reconnected with the wool, what, you know, like, what started happening? What did you start following people's patterns? Did you create your own patterns? Did you, did everything kind of come back in a whoosh for you or did you have to relearn stuff? Like what was your process? The, the mechanics of knitting, right? Pull the loop through the loop. That all came back like riding a bicycle. Whoosh. Um, and it was completely hypnotic and wonderful and, and uh, absolutely mesmerizing in every possible way. Um, But I still realized that I couldn't make things until I understood the language of patterns, right? So, you know, you can play the guitar perfectly well. You can make great music without ever knowing how to read music. You know what I mean? Um, And knitting knitting and crochet are much the same. Um, If you understand the mechanics of how the string moves and how to manipulate the, the needle or the hook, you're fine for quite a long while, but there comes a point at which you want to explore other people's creations. And for that, we need the the language of the pattern. And so I embarked on kind of my own arc of discovery on how to read knitting patterns. And of course, everybody knows what that's like. It's, you know, they're not all the same. (laughs) And um, some are clearer than others. Um, So I was doing that and enjoying myself, of course. And one day I found myself in a, um, oh, what do you call it? A ski shop, right? So I'm up on the mountain and there's this pro shop where all the skiing things are. And there was a Dalla of Norway stranded colorwork sweater in that store. Okay. And the, the clouds parted and the angels sang, right? <laughs> and it was like this transporting moment that you have where you realize, I don't care what I have to do, right? I don't know 
where I have to go or who I have to talk to, but I am learning to make that. So, and it was a little less actually romantic too because I I looked at the price tag and I and this thing was I will never forget it was five hundred and seventy dollars this sweater and it wasn't even hand knit right it was just this gorgeous thing and and like any I great idea that begins with the phrase oh I'll just well I can knit oh I'll just learn how to do stranded color work. <laughs> So Absolutely. I'm pretty sure that I'm I'm this is um gosh almost 20 years later um no not true more like 15 anyway um I'm pretty sure I have more than $570 invested in my knitting career. I was but also to be fair I have way husband. way more than <laughs> I, one sweater so yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I was going to say that I I've I've easily spent $500 on a sweater before. Like, just by the time I put right. in the yarn and the time, I was like, oh, yeah, but no, I'm totally with you on that. Oh, I'll just, I'll just figure out how to do that, and I'll just do it. Um, right, and it's across all areas of life, too, right? Like, oh, look at that beautiful backsplash. Oh, I'll just redo the one at my house. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. It's right, and, and there you are with, like, spackle in your hair and a trowel that you don't understand and maybe you're reaching for the checkbook. It's like that. (laughs) I'm smart enough to know where my limits are. I am terrible at any sort of home improvement, but my sister is fantastic. So if there's anything at my house that needs to be done, I'm calling my sister. My brother's really good too, but he's always busy on his own house. But my sister, I'll call her and be like, Hey, I'll take you to do blah, blah, blah. And she's like, okay, I even bought her a shirt that like has the thumbs up and it's like, you know, it says this girl is one handy and it uses the B word because I've always told you about that. And she'll, she'll wear that when she goes over to the house to do stuff. Cause I, I just am terrible at backsplashes and stuff, but knitting and crochet. Absolutely. I'll tackle that any day of the week, any day of the week. So when you decided you were going to jump into stranded color work, what did you, what was the first thing you did? Did you just, pick it up and start doing it or is it that you picked up a book and tried to learn from somebody like who are maybe who inspiration is that the right word or who are your not heroes but maybe um I don't know what's the word I'm looking for yeah I think inspirations is probably where you're headed um and and this is the weird part Marley so as as connected and in love with the world of fiber art as I am right now when I started, I had no idea that there were other people <laughs> who were out there doing it and connecting and being friends and, and learning and teaching with one another. No idea at all. And I bet I spent a good three years kind of on this island trying to figure things out myself. It was completely weird. I had literally no idea. Now, remember, this is pre-internet, you know, internet, pre-ravelry. Um yeah. Your local yarn shop was kind of like the the best you could do at that time, and mine was super far away and populated with people who didn't understand stranded color work particularly or care about it. So my, my resources were just thin on the ground at that time. So yeah. what I ended up doing was pick up a, a Dalla of Norway pattern, which, P.S., I was so excited that, like, the same company, I had now understood the name twice, Right, so I thought I was sure I was on the road. Like these are the same people that made that ski top sweater. I must be on the right track. <laughs> um, 
And I grabbed some yarn. I'll never forget. I remember calling around trying to find a yarn store that had DK yarn, and I had no idea what DK standed for or huh. why it would be important, just that it was called for in the pattern. <laughs> and I was so relieved when someone explained to me what it meant and that it was a weight and therefore important. Like, I just kind of stumbled on that piece, right? I kind of at that point still thought yarn was yarn. Uh, but um, uh, you know, flash you- forward into the – Sorry? There's so many people who are right are are right there right now. Like they just don't know. Oh yeah. And so it it's I right. Think it's, we don't know what we don't know. Yeah, I had no idea that there was such thing as a yarn store. Like the yarn store for me was Walmart and Michaels. I actually didn't even know that Joanne carried yarn because it was Joanne's fabrics. So I never went in there. So the first time I went to Joanne's fabrics, <laughs> I was like, oh, there's yarn. And then I was introduced to the local yarn store, and my world loaded so yeah I mean you just you don't know until you know exactly so I remember just kind of casting about the pun intended I guess casting about for you know anything and of course I had chosen this technique that was more than a little esoteric and not um native not in my native tongue right so (laughs) the resources that I was able to find were either horrendously out of date um, totally contradictory, more on that later, um, or in the wrong language, or all three, right? So <laughs> it was really an arc of discovery. And by the time I felt like I had enough pieces of it sorted out for myself, um, it was you know several years later, and I, I looked around at my body of work and my collection of, of notes and information, and I thought, you know what? I wonder if this is a book. And I had never heard of, um, I mean, I knew nothing about the world of publishing at all, but I knew that there was this one company that that made craft books called Interweave Press, and they were kind of knitting-centric. So I um, I put my um, proposal together in a three-ring binder with some, you know, knitted swatches and some patterns and some writing. I threw it in the mail um, like you did in the bad old days and thinking, well, you know, I'll just make them tell me no. And then as soon as that's done, I'll maybe try to sell a pattern to a magazine. Right. So that was my, <laughs> I'll eliminate the possibility that I think this might be a book, but of course no one gets a book published, certainly not their first time. And you know, the rest, um, and three days later interweave, um, called me, yes, this is a book. Here's money. Go. <laughs> that's so, awesome. so it was, yeah, it was completely nuts. So there I was, um, and I was a computer program in my real programmer in my real life at this time. So wildly uh, removed from the fiber arts world and community still, and I had no more idea how to negotiate a book contract than a hog house about Sunday. And um, so I had heard of this one person who was, and we're online by this time, right? So I'd heard of this one lady who wrote kind of a a column called a blog, and her name was Stephanie Pearl McPhee. Oh and just God, for giggles, I because I, right, I read, just uh, for giggles. Yes. I uh, I dropped her an email because her email's right on the blog, and I'm like, well, she wouldn't publish this if she didn't, you know. So I wrote her this email. Hi, Stephanie, you don't know me. Um, I accidentally wrote a knitting book, and now I'm super scared. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> and she, bless her heart, wrote back, like, within the hour, she said, I know a woman who helps me do this thing for my books. Um, I'll see if she's available to help you. Um, 
she's my agent. And then, um, like, within another hour, I was on the phone with her, and she's been my agent for almost 10 years now. So that's that's how that happened. Um, lovely yarn people came forward, you know. The community of the string um, came rushing to my aid because my cart was well and truly before the horse in that case, and I was pretty scared. But um, they <laughs> they showed right up, you know, and helped me. And I wrote the first book, and it was called it is called the New Stranded Color Work. Um, and from that time, I've written five other books. Oh and in the gosh. meantime, of course, discovered my people, right? So the tribe called, and I answered. And um, yeah, I've been on the mothership ever since. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And it all started with the the new stranded color work, is that right? That's correct. Holy moly. How cool is that? Like that stuff just doesn't really happen anymore. It's very rare that I'll have somebody on the show that talks about the fact that, you know, hey, I sent something in, it was just, you know, days later that I get called back that it's like, yes, we want to do this. You know, it's just it's, right. it's so much harder now. It's, it's you know, we're in a different It's completely. Well, it was it was that was the case then too, right? It was completely nuts how quickly everything happened and and I just think um it's a a question of the universe um speaking to you like what <laughs> you probably know this when when you're doing the work for which you are fit, um everything just kind of falls into line. Like it's not easy, but it's simple. <laughs> you know what I mean? The universe cons- conspires to make everything kind of go the way it ought to and and as long as you're kind of listening um to what you're supposed to be doing it it all just goes right it's it's when we try to do things for which we're not suited <laughs> that yeah. everything gets really hard and and uphilly absolutely true absolutely true i mean yeah you're right when you said i i probably the same way i do i feel like I'm, I don't know. I, everybody's heard me say this before. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's, it just makes life just the best. It makes life the best. So that's so great to right. hear that there's somebody else out there who feels the same way. Are you still into <laughs> programming? Do I still do programming? No, I'm cured. I'm cured. I'm cured. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I wrote that book. I wrote my first book while I was still doing that job. Um, and it was, you know, 50, 60 hours a week kind of high-pressure um, heels and pantyhose kind of job, although you don't think of computer programmers as being dressed up and being in customers' faces, but it, it yeah. was both for me. It was kind of a gnarly situation. Um, high-pressure. I had two small children at home and a million hours a week to do this, and then every night I would go home and knit and, you know, write a book. <laughs> and I kept that up for quite a little while, like candle completely burning at both ends, and um, to the degree that I was asking myself, wow, what kind of lifestyle am I modeling for my children? They actually think that re- that regular grown-ups go to work all day for a really long time and then come home and go to work. <laughs> yeah, my, my kids so, totally <laughs> and and I bet you experienced this too, Marley. At some point, somebody said to you, "Well, now you need to be a teacher, yes. right?" So there you are, and um and the places where we teach and the times where we teach tend to be um, weekends and um, far from home, right? So you know where this is going. It yeah. all just the teaching world was so and and I was scared to death like everything that's new I was scared to death oh my god just because I'm a writer just because I'm a knitter does not make me a teacher holy cow this is so unfair how many hats do I have to wear to do this thing I love so much I was really terrified (laughs) right all of the hats 
all, all of the hats. hats. All of the hats. But um, at that point, I was still going, huh? But it turned out, again, the universe is so kind. Um, teaching is my absolute favorite. I love it more than knitting, which is weird. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to teach, like, algebra, but <laughs> being in a room with fiber artists is just such a charge. What a scream that is. And it is the absolute joy um, of my work life to, to be in a room with the knitters. So lucky me, right? It turned out that I love doing it and some say I'm I'm okay at it, so um, that's a relief. <laughs> but anyway, that schedule combined with you know the writing, the teaching, and by that time I started my own blog. You know the rest. It just was too much. So I ran screaming from the world of technology, um, like everybody I know who's in the world of technology wishes they could do. Um, and I haven't looked back, so it's been pretty wonderful. Like I like to think of it like I left this um, knitter-shaped hole in the wall, like in cartoons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just ran away That's so um, awesome. into the welcoming arms of of the fiber arts community. Couldn't That's have so a better story. I love it. I love it. I love all the stories I hear on the podcast of the people who who left their. There's always the former job and then the job they're doing now. Like it's it's uh it's always fascinating the different things people do. You know, um like I was in finances. I did. I was financial planning, and I'm like. Oh. I, yeah, I was like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I enjoyed it. I mean, ironically, I did enjoy it a lot. And um, and you still get kind of that charge of being with people because you're constantly meeting with different people to talk to them about, you know, how to invest and how life insurance works and blah, blah, blah. But I just, I just knew that's not where I was supposed to be. And then I was lucky enough in that when I decided to leave that and come home, um, I was a stay-at-home mom. So it, as my kids grew – and I'm going to use this lightly in the sense that um, as my kids needed me less and less, you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Not that my kids don't need me, but as they needed me less and less on the like hands-on daily basis sort of thing, my business grew more and more. And so that has been a real relief. Although now, as you said, wearing all the hats, like I'm wearing all the hats. And so now my kids, they just think like mommy doesn't get a weekend. If we're going someplace, mommy has to knit with us and, like, it's just, that's just their norm anymore. It's not that, oh, mommy's working and she's knitting. It's, oh, mom's knitting and we're going to go watch basketball. Oh, mom's knitting and we're going to go see a movie, you know? It's like, it is what it is. It's, it's my life. Exactly. Um, I, I love that you said that, Marley, too, because I've struggled. Yeah, I came home to do my work and, and what a joy. It turns out my children had this whole life that was all their own and I knew nothing about because I was at work the whole time. So right. lucky me, right? I, I got to be with them before I missed all of it. Um, right. Like I got to be the mom, again, standing there knitting, right, waiting for the bus. Yeah. But I got Always. to see them come home. Um, just incredible magic things like that, that I, I got to know my kids in a way that I uh, was absolutely stunning. So that was great. But, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely the mom who's always knitting too. And I struggled for a long time about, like, shouldn't I compartmentalize in some way? Shouldn't there be days off? Like, do I get a Friday night? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and the answer is pretty much categorically nope, yeah. um, which sounds like hard duty. But the reality is it's that old cliche, if you do what you like, you never work a day in your life. Um, that's kind of true. I won't say it's never work because there, there are times when it is W-O-R-K, right? Like I'm really um, grinding away on something. 
But that is never the abject misery that computer programming was to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I finally came to terms with the fact that I don't have to turn it off. I just have to lean into what I feel like doing at the moment because that's the nature of creative pursuit too, right? Like you have to kind of throw your arms around whatever the idea of the moment is um, because that's what pursuing it looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I get that feeling where it's like I work, 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 and it's, I mean, it's not work. So I'm, 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 I'm working, but it's not working. So it's that, it's that kind of work. And yes. it's like, it just, I want to, I love that sense of completion that I didn't seem to get very often in other aspects of my life. Right. And so, Project I, smugness, I call it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I think that is the best feeling ever when it's all complete. It is. And I can, it's like a big check mark off the list and I can move on to the next. And so my husband, he's like, you get so obsessed over something. And I said, it's not just like, it's an obsession. It's that I, I can see there's the finish line and I'm so close. I'm just, I'm going to go, 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 go and, and get there. And then I'll take a step back and breathe and take a Friday night. <laughs> and then I'm back right. at it again, you know, but I, I exactly. love that. Yeah. So I was, this is awesome. Here's a great illustration of how that goes. So I'm up to my eyes in deadline, right? I'm writing this book, and it's just completely – it's kicking my butt and taking my lunch money, right? It's one of those kind of <laughs> scenarios. And, like, okay, because when you get to that point in, in the process, you're no longer really um, productive. So I gave myself the afternoon off, right? And, and I decided yeah. what I really wanted to do more than anything in the world was to have a new wreath for my front door. Like, I just wanted something seasonal and to think about something, not string for a little bit and like that. So I set myself this challenge, like I was going to spend $11 because um, that's how much was in the, the play money jar. And, okay, I'm going to make the $11 wreath. And I went to the dollar store and I don't know what, right? So I'm up to my eyes in, like, glitter and, um, st- um, what do you call them, fake birds, you know, those, oh, yeah. those pretend birds from the craft yeah. store with feathery, feathery wings and I'm up to my eyes in glitter and birds and twig wreath. And I don't know what, and my daughter comes in and she goes, what are you doing mom? She's like a little bit scared <laughs> as you do at my house. Oh, I'm making a wreath for Halloween. She goes, Oh, that looks um terrifying. Why are you doing that? Cause, Cause she knows I'm on a deadline, right? Like there is nothing but book right now in our world. She, she thinks I've pro- probably just slipped a cog completely, which maybe was true. <laughs> Why are you doing that, mom? I said, well, I've given myself the afternoon off. I'm taking a break. And there's this beat, right? Like she's processing it. And she goes, so let me understand this. You're taking a break from making stuff by making stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you are my people, yeah. Mary. You are my That's people. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I do the same thing. Only mine's not wreaths. I usually pull out the beads and jewelry. I start doing jewelry. Oh yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I go down that rabbit hole too. Oh yeah, my one of my really good friends is Jill Wiseman. She's a jewelry designer, and whenever I am like having a freak out moment where I just need to step away from the yarn, I pull out the 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 jewelry stuff and start doing one of her patterns because they're so great. And I don't have to think, I don't have to overanalyze because all the work's done for me. And I'm like, right. Okay, You're just following great. the steps. Yeah, I love that. that but I so should good. point out in, in the spirit of my daughter, Marley, I should point out. So wait, you're going to stop doing something that is um, close, eye straining and precise. You're going to take <laughs> a break from that and do something that is close, eye straining and precise. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you totally speak my language. We can hang out yep, more. That's it. <laughs> that's just the way it works. But I think that's just the creative mind. It's such the creative mind. So it is, man. Have- it's it's just a flood, and it's just a question of like which water wings you're wearing that day. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So when you uh, finish the book, it's I mean it's like giving birth, right? You it's all done. Oh gosh, yeah. It's like, okay, it's time and. I mean, I don't know if it's like you, but people are, they're like, they'll ask me, oh, it's the next book. I'm like, don't even talk to me yet. I just, I need a break, you know? And I know that Jen Lucas is usually the same way. Like there's people, they just, it's like, okay, just let me, let me bask in the glow of this one first. How long did it take you before you jumped in and started the next one or thought about doing another book or even contributing to the different books? I know that you've contributed to the wonderful books that Cascade has done with Soho Publishing. We just had Shannon Dumbabin on the, the show recently to talk about oh, yeah. some of quick, quick more, or blah, 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 60 more quick knit sort of books that um, she's done. But for you, like, what was, when did it make it where you were just like, okay, I'm ready to do another one, or I'm ready to do the next thing? You're, you're going to be not surprised at all to learn that um, I, I was cured of book writing also <laughs> by the time I was done with the first one. And then this thing happened called poverty, because I had left my big fancy job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wait, you mean it's not just you lay back and piles of cash roll in? What? Like royalties? What? What? Oh. Yeah. So it wasn't awfully long, but again, I'm so blessed and lucky because there have been people in my life throughout the process who said, okay, here's what you should try now, right? Sorry, there's a plane going overhead. Sorry. <laughs> um, I live in the air traffic path, apparently. Um so so my agent called up and she said, listen, um, there's another way to write books Th- other than you come up with the idea and you birth it. Um, there's this other thing. So here's how publishing works in the craft world. Every year the craft publisher has a meeting where they sit down and they say, these are the books we're going to write this year, this year. These are the books we're going to have and sell this year, right? We're going to have one on um, cooking. We're going to have one on how to rebuild a carburetor. <clears throat> we're going to have one on knitting, and we're going to have one on beadwork, right? And yeah. then, so they have that in their catalog, and they even start marketing these books, right? So then and only then do they go shopping for an author. <laughs> right. right. So what happens is they say, we need somebody to write a book about X, and they, they put their feelers out to people like agents, and that's how my second book happened. I was a hired gun. But it was so good because, again, the universe seeking its own level. Um, this is a book called Teach, um, the Teach Yourself Visually series, right? There's one about, um, oh, my gosh, there's all of the, the different categories. There's hand dyeing. There's spinning. Judith McKenzie wrote the spinning one. There's socks. There's just everything you can imagine. So they wanted one that was all about explore, exploring color in knitting, um, and they hired me to make that. And so, and it was absolutely stunning because they just gave me my head, right? They just gave me the reins and, and said, go. And um, it was fantastic. They ended up making the book longer, which never happens because I had, <laughs> surprising nobody, so much to say on the subject. <laughs> Whoa. I'll never forget my editor saying, um, after I had submitted the first, you know, little pile of work and we were looking at the first benchmark, you know, in the timeline, she's like, wow, so this is um, robust. 
Let's say we make extra chapters. That's awesome. Right? Story of my life. Oh, my God. We asked her to an- we asked her a question, and now we can't shut her up. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a wonderful book. And when you did it, like, are you the one um, showing all the, the hands how to do everything? Like, yeah. So that's the best part. Um, I got to travel to the photographer's studio, which was in Indianapolis, and we literally spent five days, literally with this giant lens. I was I was squished up into a table with all of the lights around me, and the photographer has this giant um, lens for tight close-ups, right? Which is pretty much touching my head at all times. Right. Um, and we spent four four or five days just photographing shot after shot after shot after shot of my hands. So it was really cool. But here's here's an insider. Tr- um, tip the only photograph in the whole book that isn't my hands is the one on the cover and you can tell if you look she's a continental knitter so she's a stunt knitter (laughs) they shot that photo in new jersey and i wasn't there so she's my stunt knitter whoever she is that is hilarious now how did you like i'm totally curious about this because i've wondered about it for a while how do you did you have like a list of okay Here's the topic. Here are the different breakdowns. I want to make sure we get pictures of. And did you yes, like, it was completely it was completely exhaustive. And the um, the editor and the stylist worked with me to keep to that list and and know what I was supposed to be doing. Because as you might imagine, um, by day five we're like, huh? What's yarn? I don't understand. Right. Um, but yeah, shot after shot after shot. I want to say there were three thousand shots. And oh then we had to like look at them and figure out what they all were. Yeah. I mean, they were really care- carefully categorized as they were shot, but there were so many of everything. It got really weird at different points because, you know, you know, when you look at something long enough, you can't tell what it is anymore. Yeah. So that was fun. Oh. But I was I was so grateful to have help and, and more eyes, right? Can you imagine working on something like that alone? It would just be the worst. No, I couldn't at all. I mean, if I were to ever do a book like that, I'd want to make sure, like you said, I, that I have a photographer doing it, that it's not just me, and I have somebody there – like, I don't know, would you call him a producer or somebody? Just absolutely, tell absolutely, producing the shoot, right? So, yeah. okay, now switch yarns because this is bind-offs, like that. Right. Oh, and here's your lunch. Uh, wake up, like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. That For my so fifth cool. book, we did a little bit of that. There's quite a few hands in the fifth book, which um, – is the kids' book, and we didn't have a producer for that, but I was so grateful for my prior experience because I was able, because there wasn't as much of it. It was just me and the photographer. I was able to sort it out, <clears throat> but um, I was glad that it wasn't a whole book of all hands again because I could never have done it without more people. Right. Which book was that? Okay, this is a mouthful. It's called The Creative Kids' Guide to Knitting. Okay. Um, and um, it's published by Wiley, and it's super fun. Or no, is it Wiley? I might have that publisher wrong. Sorry. It's Quarto uh, Nose or uh, CPI, Creative Publishing International. You're right. It's creative. Sorry. Whoops. Gave credit right. to the wrong publisher. That's Not how confusing hurt. it gets. <laughs> That's okay. So yeah, since then I've written I've written um, I want to say three books as a hired gun. Um, and one wa- um, and a fourth one, which was an offshoot of one of those, because so um, somebody said we want a book about sl- about hats. It was right uh-huh. when crazy hats got to be kind of fun for skiers and kids. You know, yeah. look, it's a hat with a puppy. Like that right. was the big new thing. 
so CPI wanted a book about funny hats, and they found me for that. And halfway through it, the editor called me up and said, so how do you feel about slippers? Because this is totally nuts. <laughs> like, you have more crazy ideas in your head than one book can fill. Again, surprising nobody. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're able to, like, work with a um, – an agent that helps you, you know, helps you guide you to this sort of direction where it's like, you don't have to come up with everything of your own. It just kind of comes, comes to be. And I love that you did a complete guide to knitting for creative kids because it's, it's simple stuff that kids could totally make. And it's fantastic. Well, it was such a huge opportunity. I got to looking around at what the market already had with regard to teaching kids to knit. And this series, um, again, lucky for me, they wanted it to be um, a book about adults and kids learning together, um, Uh which is absolutely where knitting lives, right? Um, Right. So I was able to approach it from the point of view of any new knitter. It is sort of marketed towards kids, but if you look close, it's for any new knitter. And I now teach a class called Make a New Knitter, which is for all of us who have been asked to teach someone how to knit, and maybe we're not super confident in doing that. Just because you know how doesn't mean you can teach, right? So it's really fun, and that's the text for that class. So I've, I've referred lots and lots of new knitters of all ages to that text because that's what I wrote it for. And I was so lucky to be able to be writing it now. Like, like the last one that um, gets mentioned a lot is Melanie Fallick's Kids Knit, which is from the 80s, Bye. and it's a great book. And it was the go-to for all new knitters um, in my world for a long time. Um, but flash forward these many years till I wrote that um, – and I got to include all new stuff like how to find knitting online, right? What's a sheep and wool show? Where do you connect with knitters? And as you might imagine, that's a subject close to my heart. Like knitting is great, but doing it with other people is what's really, really hot. And so how to do that and how to sort of be cognizant of what's your, what's your body doing, how to protect yourself from a repetitive stress injury, um, how to um, find a knitting guild, what happens in a yarn store, how to read a pattern. That's another one that was close to my heart. Like we get to the point in knitting where we can do what we do, but we really need to understand the language. And so I was able to include a chapter on that. So really, really um, such a nice project. And it ended up being exactly what I wanted it to be, which, you know, when you're the hired gun, that may or may not be the case. I've been really fortunate that the people who have hired me to write things um, very much let me do it my way. Yeah. So even, I, even though it was working within the constraint of what they wanted as the finished product, that limitation didn't hurt me at all, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's great that you've done that. I know that, um, like, I've been approached about doing some videos. So I do, I do, I have a YouTube channel, and I've done some videos of me teaching my mom how to knit. So it's kind of, it's sort of the reverse of instead of the mom teaching the kid how to knit. I brought my mom on who's never knit before and we literally filmed her very first stitches ever getting knit on the YouTube channel. So I'd have oh, to be like, that's awesome. Oh, it's that's fantastic. what it is, man. Isn't, isn't yeah. that what fiber art is? We sit together oh. and we hold each other's string. I love it. You know, it, it was, it was great bonding for my mom and I in general, I mean, we have a great relationship and she's hilarious and we're hilarious together. But then it, it was a, it was something that, we could actually connect with that she had never really done before. And she realized that she actually liked knitting. So it was cool. But the, so people saw me doing this with my mom and some people have asked, Oh, why don't you teach your kids live on camera? And I'm terrified to do that. So kudos to you for being able to do it in a book, but that scares the crap out of me. And I don't know, I don't know why it totally does. No, I totally get that. Cause well, kids of any 
of any ilk are always an unknown quantity, but your own are always like the huge question mark. What could happen? Well, anything and everything, probably. Oh, yeah. Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, especially at my house. You just you just never know. Next time I see you, I'll tell you some really funny stories. It's really great. But um, So as the book has come out, you know, what's, What's kind of the response you've gotten? Have you been able to see where kids have used it to, or parents have used it with their kids? I mean, what? tell me about it. Yes and yes. So, um, And it's mostly because I decided to make a class out of it um, for how to make a new knitter. So I meet knitters who are challenged to make new knitters everywhere they go, right? It happens to us all. Oh, can you teach me to do that? Actually, it usually happens like this. Can you make me a sweater? No, but I'll teach you how. Right. <laughs> right? right. Like, uh, I don't know. Do I have a spare thousand hours? Maybe not. Um, but I'll teach you how. So then there's always that moment where you're kind of backed into the corner and you got to make, um, make a knitter. And so I meet people who um, are leading Girl Scout troops. I meet people who volunteer at the senior center. I meet people who um, are maybe dealing with injury or illness and knitting is therapeutic um, from pretty much every imaginable walk, I meet people who are making new knitters um, through that, and it's absolutely fascinating what their questions and challenges are. So it's been a huge teaching experience or learning experience for me as a teacher too. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, this, this, I just I love talking to you. I always forget how funny you are. Like you're so. <laughs> It's just, it's fantastic. I know, I tell people all the time I'm funny. I don't know why I have to keep telling them. I know, right? I'm funny, man. <laughs> Let me tell you Especially how Especially my own children. They're like, really, Mom? Like, don't you have any idea how hilarious I am? Let me explain <laughs> it to you again. <laughs> that is so love great. It. Oh, I hate to put you on the spot like this, but I was looking through the emails. We're giving away a prize today, so I'm going to have to ask you live on air. Are we giving away a prize today? We absolutely are giving away a prize today. Awesome. What, what are, are we, we farmers? Away? Of course we're giving away a prize. <laughs> what are we giving away? We are giving away a copy of Fun and Fantastical Hats to Knit. This Very is the book cool. that um this is the book more than any other this and and its friend the Slippers book also called Fun and Fantastical Slippers to Knit. This is the book where if you met me and wondered what in the heck was going on inside of my head, this is the book that will answer that question. There are hats in this book that come from the dark places that kept me out of all the good schools. There are, um, we have a hat that looks like a giant squid. There is a hedgehog. There is a blue crab, a rabble of butterflies, um, an eagle with a big beak, a ski mask that looks like the green man, um, what else? Oh, a jellyfish, of course. I may have had a sea creatures fixation for a while there. Um, there is Medusa, who has a crown and a bundle of snakes on her head. Pretty much um, all of the things that just popped into my head, hey, that'd be a cool hat, are in here. That is so cool. I love, <clears throat> I love that because even though – like the crazy hat phase was a couple of years ago, whatever, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think people still love wearing them. I mean, here in Colorado, people are always going up in the mountains with the crazy hats, like, you know, snowboarding and skiing. And I mean, all the time, whenever it's snowing out here, I see people in just crazy hats all the time. You bet. Well, and this all turned the- out to be such a fun exploration of interesting construction 
like I had to figure out, well, how do you make a leaf, right? What is the shaping for a lobster claw? How does, how do you put a cherry pie on a child's head? So there's all kinds of really interesting construction that I kind of sussed out or stumbled upon to shape knitting into interesting shapes. So even if you weren't going to do a hat per se, um, there's an elf ear in here that you can knit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Lots you of know, flowers and vines and horned creatures. Um, my very favorite hat in this book is called Frilly, um, and it is a ski mask that is um, a full helmet that's a frilled lizard. Oh, very so cool. he has these giant frills that stick out, and they are suspended by bent loops of fishing wire, which were um, cool. going back to the beading, right? It re- I relied yeah. a little bit on my beading skills yeah. and tools to make that that support structure for the frilled lizard happen. That's but there's all kinds of fun things, like his, his eye bulges um, are made um, from short rows, and the opening of the ski mask has, uh, is his mouth, and there are teeth in his mouth, and so the teeth kind of frame the wearer's face, and they are a, a hemmed pico edge, like you would find in a Norwegian sweater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all kinds of fun little um, techniques are in this book that may or may not really apply to um, just hats. Yeah, that's so great. And what's awesome is Halos of Hope, which is a charity that we support here on the Yarn Thing podcast, they are having their crazy hat contest that they've been doing, the Beyond, I think it's hashtag Beyond is what I remember it being. Um, but these would be perfect for that little thing that they're doing. I know they're doing that until yes. the West of next year. Um, so that would be cool. I'll make sure that Tammy puts a link to that in the show notes as well. So if people are interested, this would be a great great project for that. All right. So we're going to give away one copy of fun and fantastical hats to knit to a call in listener. So if you are listening live, please pick up the phone 347-539-5589. I'm going to give them a chance to pick up the phone here. And while I'm doing that, go ahead and sit back for a second, Mary. I'm going to chat a little bit. So well, we here this podcast are lucky enough to have guests that come on the show that offer prizes to the listeners. Sometimes it's just to the call and listener. Sometimes it's through the call listener and to somebody who leaves a comment. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to bring Tammy on the line and she's going to help me pick a winner from a previous podcast because when the comments winners have a chance to, um, let me try this again. When there is a prize for somebody who leaves a comment after the podcast, we choose that winner about two to three weeks after the original air date. And so to keep on track, I need to make sure that I give away a prize today. So I'm going to bring Tammy on the line, and she's going to choose a winner from a previous podcast. Tammy, are you there? I am. Awesome. Good morning. Good, good Happy morning. Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> So um, we're going back to when Kat Babby was on um, the Yarn Thing podcast and shared the Soft Essentials yarn. Everybody loved that. Um, and uh, we're going to – I've already um, used a random number generator to pick a comment winner, and that person was Susan. Now, we were all supposed to use a, um, a, co- a code or phrase uh, word that we can uh, – in our comments – so that we know that you actually listened to the, to the visit. Um, and Susan was, Susan was the comment winner the random number generator came up with, and she said, I am so excited 
To view Marley's tutorial for the shawl made with Red Heart Essentials, I'll be visiting Michael's to pick up the yarn as soon as the roads are drivable. Oh, she must have been having weather back then like they're having back east right now. Yeah. I always make it with Michael's, and that was the code word that everybody was supposed to use. It's my favorite place to shop. So I've already emailed Susan with our new email system that Marley just set up for me. Yeah, Tammy has her own email at Tammy at MarleyBird.com. Woo-woo! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> but, and I'm going to announce this here, and we're not going to use it today, but we also have a new email system for the people who leave a comment. I guess we will announce it as soon as somebody um, uh, wins, but we have the winners are now going to start emailing winner at yarnthingpodcast.com. So it's all going to be in one place, and it's going to be so much more efficient, and I'm so happy. Yay! <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations to that lucky winner, and thank you for everything you do, Tammy. Thank you. Have a great okay. Tuesday. Thanks. All right. So, Mary, I am over here in the switchboard, and you have 36 callers. There's a lot of people who want to get a copy of your book. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just scrolling up and down all of the callers. You tell me where to stop. Whenever the, wherever the cursor lands, that will be the lucky winner. Oh, no. It's all on me. Totally. Okay, I'm drunk with power right now, just so you know. Okay, is it, is it time? Are we yeah, doing you it? Tell me when. You tell me when. Okay, three, two, one, now. All right, hands up. That is on 401. So let me click on this. Area code 401. Hello? Hello. Hi, who's Hi, this? Marley. It's hi. Audrey. Oh, hi, Audrey. How are you? How are you? <laughs> I've <am> been here. <laughs> I wouldn't so miss a week. Oh, you're so sweet. So sweet. Oh, congratulations. You win a copy of Mary Scott's new book. Well, her, oh, I'm th- I am thrilled. I think the grandkids will get a kick out of those two <laughs> designs. Lots of whimsy. <laughs> Absolutely. Whimsy. That's a great word, huh, Mary? That is the word. In fact, if you look up whimsy in the Webster's on a bridge, there's a picture of me right there. And I'm wearing like a lobster on my head. (laughs) Oh, I love it. (laughs) That is so great. That is so great. Well, Audrey, congratulations. You get to be the first winner that tries out the new uh, email. So I need to. It will be my pleasure. Fantastic. Your your mailing address and phone number, and send it to winner at yarnthingpodcast dot com. Um, I you, will. I will. Awesome. As I say, if you want to CC Tammy on that too, just in case, um, it would be Tammy at marleybird dot com, and uh, so you could just to make sure, because since you're the first person to ever email it, so <laughs> I just want to make sure Ooh. we get your information. <laughs> but That's, winner, that is great. Yeah, winner at yarnthingpodcast.com, and you'll get a copy of the book. Mary, do you want to sign it for her? I would be delighted. It's for Audrey, Ooh, right? Yes. It is. Thank you. That's the normal way? A-U-D-R-E-Y. Okay. I'm so Fair. glad well, to you meet have, you, Audrey. I hope you enjoy thank it. Thank you. You brought sunshine to this blizzardy New England day. Oh, my pleasure. Let's hope what? this is the last one for the year, huh? I do hope so. Okay. You have a great day, ladies, and thank you. I've enjoyed the interview. Fantastic. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye, Audrey. Okay. Bye.
so cute. I love, I love her enthusiasm. Fantastic. Mary Scott Huff, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It was really a true treat to have you on here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the invitation. Before I go, I have to tell you about the new book just quickly. It's yes. coming out October 10, and it is called The Mitten Handbook. And this oh. one was my very own idea um, inspired by my students when I asked them, what would you like me to write for you next? They wanted okay. a book about mittens, um, making your own in your own way. So it has patterns for inspiration. It has components you can mix and match. Um, it's got everything all about mittens, and I hope you will love it as much as I do. Well, how about this? Why don't I have you come back in October and talk about talk about the book when you come back then? But in the meantime, people can absolutely pre-order the book and uh, have it ready for them so that way when you're on the show, we can talk about all the different patterns. That sounds fantastic. Love it. All right. It's a date. All right. All right, hon. I will talk to you soon. Take care. All right. Thanks again, Miley. It was great to be with you today. You too, hon. Bye. Bye. Absolutely adore her. Mary Scott Huff is who I was talking to today. You can check out more about her if you go to MaryScottHuff.com. And uh, there is a blog there, her contact information, her teaching and events, design gallery books, a link to Ravelry. Everything you needed to know about her is right there. She is hilarious. She is very um, enthusiastic and, and friendly and knowledgeable. And she's just an amazing person. So I am glad she was able to join us on the show. I'm excited about her new book. Those of you know, I am uh, quite a fan of mittens and gloves. So I'm excited to to see her new book, The Mitten Handbook. Uh, pretty good stuff. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed the show today. Why don't we give ourselves some, it's called Happy Vibes. Did I tell you that before? Happy Vibes is the name of the music for the exit music. There it is. Does make you feel good? Make me feel good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, guys. Don't forget that every Tuesday and Thursday, you can join me right here on the Yard Thing Podcast or on Facebook Live as long as I'm not traveling. Next Thursday, I have my wonderful friend, Jonah Ellis, joining me on the podcast. He is freshly back from um, the broken wrist. He's really hurt himself bad. So we get to talk to Jonah about everything he has going on. And then in the meantime, let's thank you to our sponsors. Love them. Read the book. They're laid back. Crafty.com. Talk to you later. Music's over. <laughs> okay, bye guys.